You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Coming up on three minutes past the hour, welcome back to Real Presence Live on our RPR radio network in the upper Midwest. I say our because it is listener funded and supported and loved and prayed for. My name is Monsignor Schumacher. I am your host uh, for the next hour. We just wrapped up a great hour, and I hope you're getting off to a good start of your day. I know we're getting off to a a good start of the next hour here with my next guest, John Berger. John, good morning to you. Good morning, Monsignor. Well, so welcome good to, to be here. Welcome to my office at Corpus Christi. There, there's no pictures on the wall. We're, I got family coming in tonight, so I, it's, they're going to go up this afternoon, the photos. Oh, awesome. So ne- next time you come, it's going to look a little better here. We got some water here for you, and uh, be careful the, the bottles don't sit that well because that case was crushed, I oh, think. John, tell us a little bit about yourself as you uh, begin this interview. Well, again, thank you so much for having me, Monsignor. It's a blessing for me to be able to be here. Um, so as you said, my name is John Berger. Um, I'm a native of Bismarck, a uh, parishioner, I guess lifelong parishioner at the Cathedral of the Holy Spirit here in Bismarck. Um, married to my wonderful wife, Robin. We have three children, two daughters still in college, um, one son who's married. We have one wonderful little grandson who we're constantly enamored with. Um, I uh, retired last year, I guess, after Endeavor was bought out by Marathon Petroleum Corporation after about 34 years in the oil and gas industry. And since that time, I've been spending uh, most of my time with uh, different works of charity. I'm very involved now with Knights of Columbus, St. Vincent de Paul, Sarah Club, Real Presence Radio, this, that, and the other thing. So it's been a, an interesting change for me. Uh, we're talking about being a, uh, serving as a business leader. We just finished um, a, a, a segment with Ken Darnell and Vern Dosh on Legatus and what that is. Uh, and I, I, we're going to dig more into now serving as a as a business leader and um, tell us what what the important traits are for you in serving as a business leader. Right. Well, I think that you know one of the one of the first things that's a telltale trait of a leader is that he has followers, mm-hmm. and um, you know one of the interesting things is is that you can't look at an org chart. Um, for any business, an organizational chart, and necessarily see who the leaders are within that particular um, organization or company. Um, Anyone within an organization can be a leader. And amazingly, if you talk to different groups of employees, as I have, those leaders are pretty easily identified. And they aren't necessarily, as I said, those who are in a managerial or a supervising position within the organization. When a manager or a supervisor is also a leader, that's a beautiful blessing for the employees and I think for the company as well. Uh, th- let's dig more into that. Um, uh, not the, the, the leaders within an org chart may not be so evident. Did you say that? Yes. Okay, so th- let's, let's dig into that. Uh, you're, you're coming at me quick here. Yep. <laughs> Uh, so it's it's a fascinating uh, fascinating truth to that. So you can certainly look at an org chart, which many companies have, and you can see who those people who have been appointed 
into leadership positions, but they aren't necessarily the people who are who are the true leaders within the company. Um, and and as I indicated, I think that those leaders become evident to the employees within that company. So for me, for instance, when I when I think about traits of a leadership, as you said, I had I had a wonderful opportunity, and I guess over over the course of my own career, just to see the linkage between what makes a leader and 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 the virtues, and this just the commonality between success in business and what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower of Christ. I. Uh, Several years ago, um, I had the wonderful opportunity to attend an immersion weekend out at the University of Mary that was taught by Alexander Havard, and it was on virtuous leadership. And he talked about the cardinal virtues and how the cardinal virtues play into being um, being a leader. And uh, it it was just really eye opening to me. And and once once you expose yourself to that, you start to see more and more about how, oh, this particular aspect of my faith is not disconnected from me in business. It is actually who I should be in business. So that, you know, we always hear that work-life balance, the segregation, the separation thing. And I think that the challenge for us is to integrate our faith into everything that we do. John Berger is my guest. My name is Monsignor Schumacher. I'm your host. And this is RPR Live. Uh, let's let's go with that now, John. Uh, the the cardinal virtues are prudence, justice, fortitude, temperance. They are called cardinal not because they're red, but because of etymologically uh, the word cardinal means hinge. So so uh, upon upon what you're saying now are good leaders. These virtues hinge: prudence, justice, fortitude, temperance. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, there there are just so many things, and you know, it's interesting when you just think of the when you think of the word business, it's also busyness. You know, if you read if you read the word, you look at oh, busy is integrated in there, and I just think that in the business world, I, I mean, I had I was so blessed with so many opportunities in my career to lead different groups of people, and there are. There are so many things that come at business leaders. There are so many things that are happening, and there are so many decisions that need to be made. But the, the one thing that I would say is um, I had another opportunity earlier in my career to attend, which was it, it, was, not a, it was not a faith-based thing at all. It was on the technology of being. And it was actually like a six-week six course that we went through, and it was all about who are you being and I think our being is informed by, by virtue. It can be informed by virtue. And so these cardinal virtues, Monsignor, that you talked about, prudence, you know, uh, being able to discern and try to make good decisions, justice, um, you know, fortitude, and, and being courageous and stick-to-itiveness and not, you know, not giving up. All of those things, I think sometimes as a leader, what I found is you kind of needed to step back from the busyness and, and allow, allow God to say, where, is, where does this need to go? Where, where do we need to try to be taking this? Um, and, it, and it's tricky. It's, easy, it's much easier to sit here and talk about it uh, than it is to actually do it. <laughs> exactly. E- exactly. John Berger is my guest. Uh, let, let's let's uh, turn this way. 
Um, if you're a, if you're a business leader, and if you have an employee that that's more that's more gifted than you in a certain area, maybe. Um, how have you found yourself encouraging them versus being intimidated by them? Uh, th- this is a, an important principle of, of, of the workplace. Uh, again, like an employee, you're a leader, but you, you have someone that's more gifted than you. You're their leader. Uh, h- how do you encourage them more than be intimidated by them? Yeah, I would say maybe early in my career, I would have been a little bit more intimidated. But I think as I maybe matured a little bit in my faith, uh, I would consider that to be a greater blessing than maybe a challenge. You know, the, the, an, an attribute of a leader, I think, is, is to try to um, figure out what the skills and talents of your employees are and then put them in a position where they can put those talents to practice. And so rather than being an opportunity for competition, it's really an opportunity for collaboration. You know, this morning when I was uh, sitting in mass, I'm just, as you're asking me that, I'm thinking of the the homily today where um, Peter is out fishing and and the the catch is going to sink the boat. put out into the deeper waters, which is a whole other topic, but the, the catch is going to sink the boat. And, and, as, I, and, I, and I, as a fisherman, the last thing you would do would be call another boat over to help you because we want to bring our catch in. We want, to, we want to be the proud one to say, look at we got. And what does Peter do? Peter, Peter brings another boat over. And so, um, you know, when we have employees around us who have skills and talents, what a what an opportunity to allow them to help us. You know, I think um, I, I overheard a little bit and listened to a little bit of the prior con- uh, conversation about how, at times, th- these leadership positions can be a bit lonely. But there are so many people who can help if we allow them to. And oftentimes, I think it's our pride that keeps us from allowing those people to help us. It doesn't have to be quite as lonely as maybe we make it to be. And it's our pride that makes us want the credit. Absolutely. Uh, uh, A quote that I keep going back to is uh, something like this. You can accomplish anything in life, provided that you do not mind who gets the credit. Now, Ronald Reagan said that. I remember that growing up. Uh, Harry Truman said it first, but if you research that, it goes back to a Jesuit priest by the name of Father Strickland who wrote it in his diary in 1863. You can accomplish anything in life, provided that you do not mind who gets the credit. That, that is, that's what you're talking about. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I, I, our men's group right now is reading this beautiful book by, I'll just put a plug-in for Father Sattler has just uh, released a new book. It's called And You Will Find Rest. And he references um, in here the many, many writings of St. John of the Cross and, Tr- and Teresa of Avila. And I'm thinking while you're saying that, Monsignor, Teresa of Avila, a quote that was just in our re- readings from last week, that humility is the ointment that can, that can um, provide a salve for our pride. You know, our, our pride, we can become very wounded by our, you know, as, as, the, as the quote you just said, if we don't care who gets credit, if we do care who gets credit, we can become very wounded by that. We can be very, um, we, can, we can become very focused on who's getting that credit. 
And humility prevents that wound from, and hopefully we can get to the point where we're not even wounded by it. But yes, I, I think pride, as, as, uh, as we all know, is the thing that can get us in a whole world of trouble. Indeed, provided that you do not mind who gets the credit, you can accomplish anything in life. Um, one of the uh, things I have told my staffs is that um, usually most of our work in life is, um, is one-to-one. Like us right here, one-to-one. I'm with John Berger here, one-to-one. I'm with Mike Kedrowski here. Most of my work is one-to-one. But most of what I accomplish is through a team effort. Uh, so that, let's talk about teams a little bit uh, in, in terms of, of leadership. And we, we know that there are personality types that are different. Uh, some personality types learn different. Some handle criticism different. Some, some work different. We're bringing together a collection of uh, personality types. What are some tips for keeping a team together, John? For keeping a team of, of human beings with different approaches moving forward? Because I, I always try to tell people, I'm going to move you forward. We're going to move, but we're going to move forward together. Let's talk about keeping everybody working together. Yeah, it can be a real challenge, can't it? Um, I think. You know, one of the things that we all we all know, but we don't necessarily we have a struggle with practicing is there are strengths that differences are actually strengths, and um, we like to surround ourselves with people who think like we do, but there are many circumstances where you don't have that luxury, and as you indicated, you're now working with people with very different views and very different perspectives, and so. I think I go back to what we just talked a little bit. One of the tips is, um, you know, differences are not all about what's right and what's wrong. They're just different perspectives. And anytime, you know, we, we think that our way is the only way, um, it, 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 can be, it, it can be a real red flag and it, and it can create, create a, lot of, a lot of problems for, uh, for teams and, and certainly for the leader of that team. You know, I, I'm one of the one of the exercises that I did with one of our teams, and we actually had a lot of uh, interaction with um, customers. But this particular team, we we were really struggling a bit with each other, um, and so we we created uh, I created an we did a little exercise, and it was called the contract with one another, and it was just how are we going to treat one another. How are we gonna, you know? How are we gonna recognize these differences that we have? And what are our a, a little bit of what are my expectations of you if you're my teammate? What are your what are the expectations I have of you? And that exercise I think really helped people to understand and recognize some of the differences. Um, but it also, you know, this was one of the coolest things that I thought of. There is that team said, you know what? We can't serve our customers if we don't serve each other first. We put each other first. It is through through putting each other first that we're able to meet the needs of our customers, and so that was, I, I think, something that uh, was was pretty effective in dealing with different teams and people's different perspectives. And tell us again your business experience that you that you bring to everything you're saying here in business leadership. Well, goodness, I, uh, I, so I started out actually as a summer intern over at the Mandan Refinery um, w w when I was still in college, and I, and I got hired on there. I had a variety of different roles. I'm a, I'm a chemical engineer. Um, 
my wife would tell you that I, I'm she's uh, I'm not very I'm not very mechanical, but I, so I'm a chemical engineer. I think very process uh, very process oriented. But I had a I had a host of different positions. I was in operations. Um, I, I spent a lot of time on the business side. Um, of involved a lot in planning um, relationships between the different groups, crude crude purchasing, um, refinery operations, marketing. I was in marketing for a period, and then um, I ended up as refinery manager, and then I moved over to logistics and our operations in western North Dakota where I, I served as the asset manager and different leadership positions uh, there as well. So I've had I've, I've, uh, just great it's just been it was just a blessing i i just had so many opportunities to work with wonderful people i, I always told people i i think uh anyone who knows me i'm probably not the smartest person in the world but if you can surround yourself with really smart wonderful people and uh, and and let them feel appreciated mm -hmm. wow it's amazing the things that can be accomplished uh i uh was taught and uh witnessing my dad in business and others in business one of one of the greatest things you can do for an employee, one of the greatest things you can do for those with whom you work, it, with is to uh, is to appreciate them, and 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 again, it, th those are the little things that mean a lot. And one of the best compliments I, I ever got from um, a priest who's lived with me and been around my staff, you know. Uh, they're ordained, they're with me for two or three years, and then they move on. One priest said, you know, you know one thing you do well here at St. Wenceslas? He said, you do the little things well. And that, that was one of the best compliments I got because, the, and the little things were my appreciation of people. And yeah. you, you just mentioned that. Well, that's a beautiful gift. I had an experience that I will never, ever forget, and it's really a tragic one, where I was meeting with an employee. At that time, I was um, had responsibilities over our laboratory. We had had a, a gentleman who had worked at the refinery for, I'm sure, in excess of 30 years. And I sat down with him, and I just told him how much I appreciated it, all the work that he did for us. And he said, I really, really appreciate that coming from you. What What's kind of tragic is is that no one's ever told me that. Mm. And he had been there over 30 years. And I thought, my goodness, how many other people are we doing this to? Mm -hmm. what, you and, know, and, what, it, what, and it's not that hard to do. It's not that hard to do. But... It, but it's like so many of these. It takes it takes it it takes a conscious effort, and it takes that. But it, you know, we go back to who are you being? Who are you being? Are you being Christ? Are you seeing Christ in people? And that doesn't. That's for everything, not but, just at you work. Know, but John, it's not just in the workplace. It's it's, it's, it's in our families. It, you know, telling people whom we love that we love them. I, I I tell couples that in 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 my wedding homilies. Express your love every day. I mean, I, I've had over eight hundred funerals as a priest, and I work with people after they've lost a loved one. And and I've heard more than once, you, you know, Father, I should have told her how much she meant to me. You know, and I and I think to myself, I, I think to myself, I don't, but. Sir, you had over fifty years to tell her, right? And and it, it, it's 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 a lesson learned, but but sad. It is. It's very sad. And so I guess that goes back to our busyness. As our busyness can be involved, can can consume things that really aren't very important. 
you know, it's a whole other attribute of how do we spend our time, but we need to make sure we're spending on the times, uh, our time on things that are truly important. And they don't have to take a long time. They don't take a long time. So John Berger and I are saying, tell somebody today that you, that you love them and that you appreciate Absolutely. them, right? Absolutely. John, thank you for being my guest. Uh, visit us again here on the RPR Network, thank okay? You. I would love to. I can't believe it was 20 minutes. I thought uh, we just started. I, I, think, I, I think I'm set to go here. Uh, <laughs> as we come up on 23 minutes uh, past the hour... Um, did you know that Americans gave $449 billion with a B? Americans gave $449 billion. We're going to talk about what factors go into charitable giving from year to year. Uh, we're going to discuss this next on Real Presence Live. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> 